Welcome to King of Glory Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed this week's encouraging message. For more information, please visit kingofglorycc.com. And so I was thinking about this whole thing about following the star, and then my mind began to think about our world and how we like to really follow stars in, in, like in humanity. You know, we like to see the who's who's and the what what. And I just want to submit to you that there is one bright and shining morning star that is worth following forever and ever and ever. And so today, let's put our hearts and our attention fully on him. Um, I would like for you to open up your Bible to 1 John 4, verse 7. And once you have it, would you please stand? And if you don't have it, it's on the screen, so you could please stand for the reading of God's Word. Verse 7, Beloved, Let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so we are in this world. There is no fear in love. That perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. He who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God, and yet hates his brother, he is a liar. 
For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him that he who loves God must also love his brother. Father, we thank you for the power of your word. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here to bring um, conviction, to bring transformation, to bring revelation. And Father, I'm asking not only for that, but that we would experience your love that goes past knowledge, that it would transform our lives to a way that we overflow in love. Lord, I ask right now that your anointing would be upon words spoken, your anointing would be upon ears to hear. And Lord, as we go, that our lives would put into action your word in Jesus name. Amen. So we're going to talk today about love. It's what the gospel is really all about. And a lot of times we think about, you know, Christmas is when Jesus came, love came. But I want to um, submit to you that from the foundations of the world, before that, from all past eternity to all future, it is love. If we could spend the rest of our lives seeking to know and understand love, we still couldn't begin to comprehend the height, the depth, the width, the length of his love. God is love, and he sent his son as a sacrifice for us. We know very well, John 3, 16, what? We not perish, but have everlasting life. So God so loved, he gave. You know what that tells me? When I receive his love and I get transformed by his love, then love's going to look like something and love's going to give out of here. Not because of what I do, but because of what he's done and because of who he is in us. John 1, 18. I'm just going to flip around this. There'll be popping up scriptures up there. You can follow along. I just want you to think about this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, the Word was God, and He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him, nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness to that light. Let me just say something. We are not that light, but we are to live in such a way to bear witness to that light. Just as, as John the Baptist carried Verse 9, that was the true light which comes to give light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world. The world was made through him. The world did not know him. He came to his own. His own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become 
children of God to those who believe in his name. Behold what manner of love the Father has given us that we can be children of God. And I don't know about you, but that just blows my mind. You know, you think about this. In the very beginning, God created. The Godhead was there, and God created heaven and earth. And you can read in Genesis 1 and, and 2 the whole count of creation. And the very last thing God did is he created man. On the sixth day, he created man. And on the seventh day, what did God do? Could you imagine? We are such doers. And Adam probably woke up, all right, God, what are we going to do? God's like, I took the day off just to be with you. We have a God that longs for fellowship with us. We can get so busy going about and doing it. He's just saying, I just want to be with you. I just want to experience this fellowship. And, 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 you know, here's the thing. And we were made in his image. What is the very essence of his image? We just read it. God is what? Guess what? You were made in the image of God. You were made in the image of love. You were made to receive love and you were made to give love. And we know that in Genesis 3, Adam and Eve made the choice to take of the tree of knowledge of good and evil instead of just feasting on every other tree in the tree of life. And how many of us have done that, even this week? And yet... God said, it's okay, I already made a plan to bring back that fellowship. See, the thing is, is that we, we partake and then we run and hide, and God is right there. Where are you? It's not like he doesn't know, and it's not like he's mad. He's just saying, I want that intimate fellowship with you. I long for you to know my love, to experience my love, and to be a vessel of my love for others that don't know my love. Psalm 139 speaks of how he knew us before we were in our mother's womb. Each and every one of you, he knows you by name. He sees you. He's with you. David goes on and he says, I could go to the heights and you're there. I can go to the depths of despair and you are there. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. He is always for you. This is who our God is. He says, it says in Psalm 139, he not only knew us intimately before we were born, not only is he always with us, but his thoughts towards you are precious and innumerable, more than we can fathom. We can spend the rest of eternity learning to know how much he loves you individually. Ephesians 1, 4 through 6 talks about before the foundation of the world, we were chosen to be accepted in the beloved. What an amazing love that goes from the beginning of time all the way through eternity. This love is more than enough. How many of you have ever felt unlovable? How many of you ever looked at the brokenness of the world and go, God, is your love really enough? How many have felt the brokenness in your own heart and said, is his love really enough? 
I think if we're honest with one another, we could say yes to all those questions. But I'm here to tell you that his love is more than enough. Listen to me. God loves you. There is nothing you can do to make him love you more. There's nothing that you can do to stop his love for you. In your darkest moment, his love does not stop. And when we get a grasp of that love, our lives are going to explode with love for others to know that. He loved purely. He loves you perfectly. He loves you wholly. He loves you lavishly. You can't make him love you more. You can't do anything to stop his love. He pours his love out on us. No matter where you are in the journey, you may go, there is a journey. Or maybe you've been on the journey like John, who, who not only walked with Jesus literally, not only saw the seas, the, the storms of the seas stop him, eyes open. He was there at the, the foot of the cross. He was there when Jesus returned and stepped through the room. He was on the Isle of Patmos. And, and Jesus says, I'm going to reveal some things that's coming. The revelation of me. That John says, I'm the one he loves. He could have taken accolades. I wrote five books of the Bible. He's like, nope, I'm the one he loves. What if we all came to a place that we could say, I'm the one he loves. And yet, you're the one he loves. His love is deep, it's wide, it's long, it's high. There's nothing, Romans 8 talks about, there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. What an amazing, amazing love. The third thing is love overflows. This very nature of God, unending and unlimited love that can't be contained. Guess what? God doesn't want it to be contained. The Bible tells us to love others, even those that seem unlovable. I don't know about you, but sometimes this can be the most challenging thing in the world. You know, we, I want to just tell you, love, I, I was thinking about this the other day. When we, and I, some of y'all have heard this before, when we um, knew we were coming here, we were in Atlanta, and the church we were in, um, it was like, we'd come to this place, we were seeing with our eyes the things that God had put in our hearts. And then God began to speak about us moving. And it was a place of great fruit for our family, great fruit relationally, just great fruit. 
And um, then God began to speak to, to Sam first, and I was pretty certain he was not hearing the Lord, <laughs> that we were going to be moving to Asheville to plant a church. And um, I'm just like, well, yeah, he hadn't said that to me yet. <laughs> and uh, but he began to just speak. And I remember there was a time in a season where we knew what the Lord was saying, and yet um, out of the, to honor the pastor that we were under, he had asked us not to say with anybody what was going on. It made it very difficult when you're looking at a great life change and, and people know you and you, you know them and you can't share really what's going on. And I remember this um, one night, well, once I knew, okay, he's saying we're going to go, I, I did what I only knew to do, and that was begin to protect my heart. Because it was going to really be hard to leave. And, and so I thought, I can't keep my heart wide open anymore. It wasn't the bad things were going on. It was good things. I can't keep my heart open anymore because it's already going to be so hard. It's going to hurt so much that I'm just going to go through the motions. I'm not going to let my heart experience. I'm not going to invest anymore. Have you ever, can you identify a time that you've kind of taken control of your heart that way? Or maybe you've been hurt. And you're like, hmm, not going to do that again. And I remember, you know, we're in this time of, of worship and the Lord just begins to speak to me. And um, he asked me a question. And um, I have since learned when he asked me a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer, but he's really trying to get my attention on something. And he said, Eliza, do you think the love I have ever hurts? And I started thinking about all the brokenness in the world and around me, and I'm like, yeah, I guess, I guess it does. See, he doesn't withdraw. He, he hurt so much. He, he bore all the sins of the world, all of my iniquity on the cross. At any given moment, he could have called heaven and earth to stop it, and yet he lay there not only with his arms wide open, but his heart exposed And, and so then he takes a little deeper and he goes, hey, Eliza, do you think the love I have for you ever hurts? And he began to talk to me about how important it is to keep my heart open, to be able to, to love. And it's only because that's what he does for me. See, I can't or you can't really love effectively. But he in us can love, and he does, and he has that love that wants to overflow to others. 1 Peter 1, 22 to 23 says, Love one another fervently from a pure heart, having been born again, not of a corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. I love what the passion translation says in that. It says, now because of your obedience to the truth through the Holy Spirit, you've purified your souls and this empowers you to be full of love for your fellow believers. 
express this sincere love toward one another passionately and with a pure heart. For through the eternal and living word of God, you've been born again. Now remember, the word of God became what? Flesh and dwelt among us. That's what you've been born of. Jesus is living in you and he's saying through that eternal and living word of God, this seed he planted with you can never be destroyed, but will live and grow. So it's not about you trying harder to love, but it's actually you surrendering and letting his love come forth. You know, people come and go. Those that are the closest to you, half the time they don't even realize it can cause the most pain. And if we don't learn how to keep our hearts open, and it's not about us, but it's about him in us. And when we begin to realize, like when you're like John, you know, I'm the one he loves, it doesn't matter who walks away from your life because you know your identity is in the love he has for you. Y'all with me? Y'all really quiet. I'm going to read this passage again out of the Passion Translation. I'm going to just invite you to shut your eyes. Those who are loved by God Let his love continually pour from you to one another. Because God is love. Everyone who loves is fathered by God and experiences an intimate knowledge of him. Those who don't love have yet to know God. For God is love. I'm just going to pause and say, you can know about, but there's something different of when you've experienced the love of God. The light of God's love shined within us when he sent his matchless son into the world so that we might live through him. This is love. He loved us long before we loved him. It was his love, not ours. He proved it by sending his son to be the pleasing sacrificial offering to take away our sins. Delightfully loved ones, if he loved us with such tremendous love, then loving one another should be our way of life. No one has ever gazed upon the fullness of God's splendor. But if we love one another, God makes his permanent home in us and we make our permanent home in him and his love is brought to its full expression in us. He has given us his spirit within us so that we can have the assurance that he lives in us And that we live in him. Moreover, we have seen with our own eyes and can testify to the truth that the Father God sent his Son 
be the savior of the world. Those who give thanks that Jesus is the son of God live in God. And God lives in them. We have come into an intimate experience with God's love. And we trust in the love he has for us. God is love. Those who are living in love are living in God. And God lives through them. By living in God, love has been brought to its full expression in us so that we may fearlessly face the day of judgment because all that Jesus now is, so we are in the world. Love never brings fear, for fear is always related to punishment. But love's perfection drives the fear of punishment far from our hearts. I just want to pause and say something. God disciplines those he loves. Discipline is different than punishment. Discipline basically means I'm going to help you go in the way you should go. Punishment, you know what it is to be punishment when like you're being rejected, you haven't performed well. I'm going to distance myself away. God will never do that to you. You have no fear of punishment. He will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He'll never reject you. And when you get, a, when you get into the revelation, because you know we've all been in places where, where we have royally messed up. And yet to know, he's like, hey, yep, there's a mess. I'm here with you. I'm not going to leave you. You might have some things to learn and grow because he loves you. You know, it, it, it would not serve us well as parents not to teach our children the basic things they need to exceed in life, Right? We have a loving father that says, look, I know what I have for you. I know what I have in you. I know what I want to do through you. Trust my leadership. Trust my love. He's always patient. He's always kind. Spend some time in 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, and just say, God, is patient. God is kind. He doesn't, you know, he's long suffering. He doesn't rejoice in iniquity. He, he rejoices in the truth. And even when he sees your yes, hey, think about this. He says to the disciples, you're going to, you're going to deny me. But he loved them to the end. He knew that betrayal was coming, and he didn't give up. His love is seeking out, pursuing, always moving towards us. And when we get a revelation of that, then we can begin to be a vessel of that to others. Is that making sense? So, 
This John, 1 John 3.16 says, This is how we have discovered love's reality. Jesus sacrificed his life for us. It would be a, I would be amiss if I did not give an opportunity. If you're like, I don't really know, like I've not experienced this kind of love. Could God love me like that? And I would say, yes, absolutely. If you haven't ever said, I'm going to believe, I'm going to receive this sacrifice that Jesus, that God sent his own son to be that propitiation, to be that atoning sacrifice, to take the punishment I deserve. If you've not done that, he's saying, I'm here. Just ask me in. The second part of that verse is Jesus sacrificed his life for us because of this great love. We should be willing to lay our lives down for one another. You know, the disciples asked so many different people, asked Jesus, well, what, what is the greatest commandment? You know, we want things to be nice and seamless and like, here's my rules. If I A, B, C, D, I'm good. We, we like to live in the confines of our own ability, if we're really honest. That's easy. I'm just going to follow the rules. He doesn't want you to follow the rules. He wants your heart. What, what is it? What rules should I keep? And, and, and Jesus is just here. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. I, I just want to know the rules. I want to know, I want to check my boxes off. And he's like, no, 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 I want a living relationship with you. And it's going to be completely dependent on your surrender to me and what I want to do. It takes God's love to love God. And the thing is, is it's not like you have to earn it. You can't earn it. He just says, I'm offering you a gift. Will you receive it? And then once you've received it, he says, the second's like it. Say the first is everything here. Lord, you're everything to me. It's like every day, Lord, I just want to be aware of you, your man, your presence. I want to turn my gaze on you. I don't want to be so busy doing a lot of things that I'll lose sight of my first love. My only love. Everything else falls out of that place. And he says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. A lot of us have a really hard time loving ourselves. I'm not talking about, we're all code red ready for selfishness. I'm not talking about that. We don't have to teach you. We don't have to teach you. You, you hang around a, a one-year-old or two-year-old, and you'll see we're programmed in for selfishness. I'm talking about knowing that you are loved, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, that he didn't make junk, that he created you unique to everyone else. We have a real hard time receiving that kind of love. But it's imperative that we receive that love because until you know you're loved, how are you going to love the person beside you? And then corporately, until the body of Christ, until you, know, Jesus said, 
they'll know you're my disciples because of your works, because you gather on Sunday, because you pay your tithes, because of your love, because of your love. My heart cries for the church to know how to love ourselves so that we can truly be effective love outside of these doors. So what if we just all begin to say, if it takes God to love, sign me up, God. I receive you. I trust your leadership. I trust your discipline. I believe you will never leave me. I believe you, even if I don't understand. You ever been in a circumstance? You're like, what? What I do? You're trying to figure out what you needed, what you did wrong. Am I the only one? Lord, I'm just going to hang my hat. I'm putting a stake in the ground. You love me. I'm going to be the disciple that says, whoa, he loves me. I'm going to lean into your ear. I'm going to know your secrets. I'm going to have your heart for those around me. I want to see the one. We get so busy. This morning, like, I'm... um, well, this is what I do. <laughs> I walk in and pray, and um, Sam gets up, and um, the Lord says, just, he, he's standing there watching, waiting for the coffee to pour. Literally, he's brewing. He's just standing there. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm walking my laps, and the Lord just says, do you see him? I just stand behind him. I just felt God's love for him. It wasn't my love. I mean, I do have love for him. (laughs) At that moment, though, it was allowing the Father's love. Did you feel it? It took about 45 seconds for me just to stand there and let love minister to him. It didn't cost me anything except for maybe 100 steps. So we're going to end this a little bit different when I watch a video or you can listen to it. And when it's done, I'm going to pray for you and release you. And this song's going on. You just ask the Lord to make this prayer a reality of your life and then ask him, help me to be sensitive this week and to find out, okay, I don't really know your love. I need your love. There'll be people, I'll just go ahead and give you the, this is what we're going to do. There'll be people up here to pray with you if you need prayer. If you want to ask Jesus in your heart, if you want to say, I want to be a child of God, come on up. There'll be people up here. Or maybe you'll realize, wow, I have so been hurt. I've shut my heart down. God, I give you permission to open it. And would you be the doorkeeper of my heart? Knowing what needs to come in and out. You'd be the gatekeeper, the protector. Or maybe you've been really wounded. Lord, would you heal my heart? Some of you have been so hurt, you wonder if you could ever love again. I'm here to tell you, you can. 
And he is here to bring healing to your broken heart. And it'll be worth whatever risk to see others come to know his love. Hey, we only have a very short amount of time in the scheme of eternity. It's so small. It, it really is tiny. And, and I mean, I, I, I haven't really lived that long. I mean, I've lived longer than some of you. I have not lived longer, some of y'all. But it's such a short amount of time. I promise you, it'll be worth it all to allow your life to be a vessel of his pouring of love. And turn the lights on.
Like for the prayer team to come on up. As we were watching that, the Lord reminded me um, that um, He's given me a creative idea, and I need seven to ten people that could give up an hour and a half of time and 10 to 15 dollars and if that's you it's not for me but it's, it's an idea of love and action if if you can respond to that or think well i need to know more just come see me after the service okay minimally i need seven people or you might say, well, I have an hour and a half of time next week, but I don't have any money. Or someone says, well, I have money, but I don't have any time. But I think we can make this happen. Okay? Would you stand? My dear friends, I pray that you will remain strong and not be discouraged or ashamed when I think of the wisdom of his plan, I kneel humbly in awe before the Father of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah, the perfect Father of every father and child in heaven and earth. And I pray that he would pour out over you the unlimited riches of his glory and favor until supernatural strength floods your innermost being with his divine might and explosive power. Then, by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside of you and the resting place of his love will become the very source and root of your life, providing you with a secure foundation that grows and grows. Then, as your spiritual strength increases, you will be empowered to discover what every Holy One experiences, the great magnitude of the astonishing love of Christ in all its dimension, how deeply intimate and far-reaching his love is, how enduring and inclusive it is, endless love beyond measurement, beyond academic knowledge, this extravagant love pours into you until you are filled to overflowing with the fullness of God. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, 
and exceed your wildest imagination. He'll outdo them all for you, for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. Now we offer up to God all the glorious praise that rises from every church and every generation through Christ Jesus and all that will be manifested through time and eternity. Can you give him a standing ovation? Amen. Thank you for listening to King of Glory Sermon of the Week. Connect with us on Instagram at KOG underscore Asheville and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash KOG Asheville.